Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment, please. We're going to be a lot of verses, so get your thumb wet today. Okay, we're going to look at a lot of verses before we're done, starting in Hebrews 11. I'm glad you chose to be in God's house today. I was praying this morning with some of the men, and I said, boy, people have a choice. They could go to Galveston. They could go up to the bee, up to the you know, lake and have fun up there or just go out for a walk, or they could be in God's house. And I'm glad you, go, you chose to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I thank you for being here. Hebrews chapter 11 the faith chapter. We're going to just look at a moment at one choice of a character. Verse 23, Hebrews eleven twenty-three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents when they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of, uh, in Egypt. For he had respect unto the re- recompense of the reward, and by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless as we get into the Word of God today, as we lay out a principle for us to be reminded of and be considering that you would nail it down in our hearts and our minds to not forget. Father, I always need your help. I especially need it today, so I would ask it, your enduing, endowment, your power upon me. Help our ears, Lord, that we would hear with spiritual ears and hearts that are prepared with the mindset of doing whatever you speak to us about. Lord, make us to be more like thee in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to know the Lord. I came to Christ when I was seven. I began to walk with the Lord. The Lord kept adding different layers to my life till finally I got baptized when I was 14. Got active in a pretty good youth group. I look back on it. That was huge in my life. We were stretching and growing, and I was hearing. I was going to Bible camp every summer, and I had a neighbor that was laying layers and layers until finally God touched my heart to go off to a Christian college, and long story how I got off there, but I began to walk with the Lord all through college, and you know, I wasn't on campus maybe two or three weeks, and God made it clear I was called to be a pastor, a preacher, and that surprised me. I was going to be a history teacher. I wanted to teach math. I really loved those subjects. I could easily teach them. I subbed the last couple of years in math. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I stepped in class there a couple of days ago, and I said, boy, that's like coming home. I really enjoy those things. But God called me, and uh, God used me all these last years. I, I've enjoyed walking with him. But in, in, in your Christian life, there's really two paths you can walk. It's in the will of God or out of the will of God. Yeah, with his blessing, without his blessing. With his smile, without his smile. And obedience and disobedience. And you can, you can define it all you want, but just sort of you come in those two categories. As we look at this just little passage and use it as a diving board this morning, Moses had a choice. He'd been snatched out of that uh, Nile River, and he'd gone in now underneath the, the future queen of, uh, of, uh, of Egypt, and she raised him as a future leader of, his, uh, of Egypt, or he could go and identify with the Jews. 
And the Bible says here that when that choice came, but Moses, when he was come to years, he grew up and he had a decision to make. It says here, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing. And that word, if you mark in your Bible, you ought to circle the word choosing. He made a willful choice. He understood the implications. When he identified with the children of Israel, which was his heritage, which was the spiritual way to go, instead of all the treasures, notice it says, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And he had respect unto the reward. In other words, he made a choice when he started looking at his life, I want to walk in obedience, in righteousness, in God's will. I want to go the way God wants me to. And he didn't walk in the way of the flesh. Turn with me, please, over to the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15, quite a well-known passage, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. That's what Moses could have chosen, the world, Egypt. If any man love Egypt, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in all this world, and it gives you three categories, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Let's just stop there for a moment. You could take all the different choices that you and I are offered, and you could categorize them in these three categories. It's the lust of your eyes, it's the lust of the flesh, or the lust of your pride, the pride of life. You want somebody to notice you, you want to feel good, you want to be boasted up, or you want to feel something, or you see something that's drawing you in. These are the three avenues, the three basic pillars of Satan's temptation to us. And these are how the world calls to you through your eyes, through the feel good, or through the be big, the big man and all, all that kind of stuff. Three different choices. Looking back at verse 16 again. These are all of the world, verse 17. And the world passeth away. We think back what Moses, he realized that they were temporary. The world passes away. They are temporary. And the lust thereof, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those are all temporary. But he that doeth the will of God is making a wise choice because that abideth for how long? Forever. You see, Satan comes with all the glitter. He comes with all the eat it now, get up front. It's sort of like, you know, you go buy something, just sign on the line. Go, well, you pay for it after Christmas. Boy, you enjoy Christmas, and everybody's so happy. January, the credit card comes. You know, all of a sudden, wow, I didn't realize we spent $10,000 on Christmas. I know I enjoyed it, but $10,000 on Christmas? What were we thinking? The bill came due. And the world passeth away, the, all the glitter, and it's just a little season. It's just like Christmas, it's gone. But then you have the rest of the payday that comes. That's the way Satan works. God tells us that up front, he's quite honest with us. You walk with me, you suffer the reproach of this world. But I promise you an eternal reward. 
And it's just the opposite. If I'm going to live for Christ, there has to be a lot of hard decisions along the way to not fall to my lust, to not take the easy way, to take the way that is righteous, to do the will of God in the face of others not doing it. This is basically the choice. And so what does a fool do? A fool is one that makes what we would say, I'll put it in my vernacular, stupid mistakes. They're just dumb. They're unwise. A fool just falls for a con. A fool doesn't think it through. A fool jumps before and leaps before he sees where he's going. That's a fool. You know, as a kid, one of the things that was every year on the television, it was a big deal, was the Wizard of Oz. But you know, the Wizard of Oz, if you can think about it, for I know it's not scripture, okay? But what was Dorothy after? She was, she had, she was in Kansas, and she, was, she had Auntie M and her uh, uncle, her dad, whatever. They were taking care of her, and she was happy, and she had Toto, and she had all these different things, but she wanted something beyond the rainbow, you know? She wanted somewhere else to be, and she wasn't content, and of course, in that story, she gets bumped on the head, and she really doesn't go anywhere, but she has this dream, and she realizes, I've had it really good all this time. Why was I dreaming for all that stuff the whole time? Christians aren't much different. Sort of lays out the same scenario for us as Dorothy had to consider. Maybe it's like the phrase that we say typically, the pasture always seems greener on the other side of the fence. Well, I grew up, I grew up on, on a farm, and, and, you know, cows, it's amazing. They can have a perfectly big hundreds of acres, and they'll go over to the fence, and they'll stick their neck through to get, stretch the fence out and try to get out where they aren't supposed to be. A lot, a lot of Christians who are just not content to be where God has put us to be. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, we find that Moses made a wise choice. But his choice involved faith, didn't it? If I do it God's way, there's going to be a payday someday. But a lot of times people choose the right now for instantaneous pleasure. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I'd like to just sort of mention to you, if we get this far, 11 characters in the Bible that all made the same unwise choice. 11 characters that... Basically, we could say the title is, they got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. They got what they wanted, but they lost what they had. You know, Christians, innocency, walking with God, sweet fellowship, sin forgiven, knowing I've got a home in heaven, living a clean life. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And yet, we will sacrifice it for something, just like these 11 characters, that all were in a good place. But the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, one of those, or a combination of those, pulled them away, and there was a, by the way, there's always a payday. There's always a price. And we're going to see they lost what they had. They lost something special. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Might as well start with the first family in the Bible. That would be Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as God, knowing good and evil. Here is the temptation. You will be able to be like God. That's what Satan came along. Hey, you know, Satan fell for that himself. 
Here's Satan, one of the three archangels of heaven, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. He's Lucifer is Satan. And he thought that somehow he could sit on the throne of God and God had to depose him and throw him down to this earth. And now he slithers into the Garden of Eden and he walks up to Eve and he says, would you like to be like God? Would you like to have all that wisdom? Just go this direction and you take of the forbidden fruit, the lust of the eyes. You see, he begins to work right there in the Garden of Eden. He, this is, it's, it's, see, that's what he said. See, is not this really fruit that's good to take of? And he began to convince her. Do we have to really go much more in the story? But let's look at verse 7, please. I'm sorry, verse 6. And when the woman saw, see the lust of the eyes, the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to desire to make one wise, there's the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, there's the flesh, and gave also unto her husband, he did eat, and the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord, and what happens? They can't walk with God anymore. Fellowship is broken. Would it not be something to every night before you go to bed? Go take a walk around your apartment complex or your subdivision with God. Just to look every night that I get to walk with my creator. But now because they have purposely made a choice to walk in disobedience, they have to hide themselves and they sew themselves up some aprons because now they, they do have the understanding of nakedness and, and they're not the same person. And God comes, Adam, Eve! Where are you? Does God know where they are? Yes. yes. He's working with them. We're over here hiding. Why? Because we're naked. Who told you we're naked? Did you eat of the tree? They lost the fellowship. They lost their innocency. They lost the blessing of the Garden of Eden, and God had to deal with them. You know the story, and they're put out. They got what they wanted but they lost what they had. And you know, Christians, you're going to be tempted just the same way along. Satan doesn't use different, different uh, means, tools and preparations. He just puts a different picture on the outside, but it's still the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Turn to Genesis chapter 13. We'll just walk our way through the Bible a little bit. Genesis 13, look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, Genesis 13, 10. And beheld the, all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot, what? What's that next word? Verse 11. Then Lot, what? Chose. Did anybody make Lot make this choice? What was the temptation? The temptation, his eyes. Pride of life. His flesh said, I could have all that money. Do you see how it's working? Man, look at the cities down there. Sodom and Gomorrah. We know them as pretty rotten, filthy places you wouldn't want to be and all the rest. But when Lot saw them, he said, money. I could have a big business. I could be successful. As a matter of fact, when God deals with Lot, what happens? You go down there, and here comes the angels. It's last moment. God's getting ready. He's going he's to extract Lot and his family out of these cities. And Lot is sitting at the gate, which many people say indicates he was 
maybe the mayor or at least on the city council of that city. He had so invested himself that now he's, he's not just there, he's thoroughly integrated. He's got everything he wants. And let's say he's mayor of Sodom. Can you imagine being the mayor of, the mayor of Sodom? And he sold everything he had. Boy, Uncle Abraham and raised him up. Do we know about Abraham? Was he a righteous man? Do you think he raised up a righteous young? Uh, the Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul. If you go on and study through Lot, I want you to look at chapter 19 and see how, what this cost him. It's important for you to understand. He made this choice. Nobody made him. He knew what was right. He'd been reared to do the right thing. But Satan came along and he chose in spite of that. Look at chapter 19. Look at verse 13. For we will destroy this place because of the cry that is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out. And spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But Lot seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Can I show you the first thing he lost? He lost the reputation inside his own family. He had no influence with his daughters and his sons-in-law. It's gone. We know the story. I'm not going to, we got so many verses. What happened to his wife? They got out of the city and they're going along the city. He said, don't turn around. She, right in the midst of her lust to have one mask, lust of the eyes, she turns and what happens? She's immediately turned into pillar of salt. He's lost his daughters and sons-in-law. He's lost his wife. He's lost all the money. Everything that he sold his soul for, it's all been destroyed by fire and, and brimstone. Now he runs up into the mountain to a little city called Zor, and, and his two daughters get their daddy drunk. And one comes in and lays with him, and another one comes in and lays with him. And now they do the most hideous sexual things with their father that you should never even think of doing. He lost his wife. He lost his sons-in-law. He lost his daughters. He lost everything in that city. He got what he wanted. But he lost what he had. I'm here to tell you as your pastor, you can't fiddle and play with sin. You can't hold it in your hand without it somehow destroying you. You are not an exception to the rule. God has a law of reaping and sowing, and choices have consequences. Look at Genesis chapter 25. We see another character. Adam and Eve made a choice. They wanted to be wise like God. Lot wanted prosperity. And he sold his family and lost everything. In Genesis chapter 25, we look at verse 39. 29, I'm sorry. Verse 29. And Jacob sawed pottage. And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to his brother Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was named called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore him to that day, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau, and you know the story, 
Jacob fed his brother Esau, and Esau sold his birthright. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Esau was really ready to die? But have you ever been that hungry? I mean, you were so hungry, you walked by somebody, oh, give me some of that. I mean, uh, that's why bakeries do it in the mall and on the street. They have those little vents that come out there, and you can smell the French fries, and you can smell all the the bread baking. And I mean, you're over here at Sears, or you're over at Penny's, or you're over at Foley's, or wherever, Dillard's, and and boy, you're just drawn in, and you you start counting the pennies in your pocket. Do you have a dollar? God says, well, hey, let's 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 get some, you know. That's the way it works. And here's Esau. He'd been out hunting all day, and he surely worked up a good appetite. And his brother had been making the stew. <sighs> Give me some of that. Well, if you pay for it, what do you have to pay? The birthright. What's the birthright? That means as the firstborn, you get all the special blessings of heritage. You get a double portion. You get a lot. It's a special thing. And the Bible makes it clear elsewhere that Esau looked at his birthright and he despised it. That word despise means he didn't think it was that big a deal. Oh, well, firstborn, I can give that away. Ah, I want to eat right now. Oh, boy, my stomach's full. Let's go to bed. It's all over. Or is it? Look at chapter 20, 49 of Genesis, please. Look at Genesis chapter 49. It's not all over. I'm sorry, 27. I got the wrong chapter. We're going to look at 49 in a moment. Chapter 27, look at verse 34. Genesis 27, 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and he said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, my father. He said, What's all this about? Came time for the two boys to get their daddy's blessing. And next thing you know, Jacob's got the firstborn blessing. He's given them all double blessing, prosperity, all the different things. And now Jacob, Esau comes in and he says, Where's, what's for me? He said, I can give you the crumbs left over, but I can't give you the firstborn blessing. For you sold that, you see. See, in a, in a moment of hunger, in a moment of, of, of his flesh, uh, lust of the flesh, he reached out and he satisfied it and he gave away such a big thing. You know, Christians, that's not much difference today when, when something comes along and in the heat of the moment of our flesh, we know what we're doing. We're crossing the line. We're selling our soul. We're, we're doing something we shouldn't because we want to obtain. And in this case, it was just that he wanted an instant, instant gratification. Next thing you know, he's going to be sorry for eternity. And he made that choice. Look at Genesis 35, please. Genesis 35. Look at verse 22. Here we find the oldest son of Jacob named Reuben. He should get, as the oldest son, he should get the birthright. Amen? He doesn't because of what we're going to see here. In uh, Genesis 35, look at verse 22. And it came to pass when Israel, that's Jacob, his father's got a new name, came to pass when Jacob Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben, that's his oldest son, went and lay with Bilhah, 
his father's concubine. That would be one of Israel or Jacob's wives. And Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. Now this is about the only mention. You don't have a lot more mention at this point. He does this wicked deed. And I, I know we're in younger mixed couple. I'm trying to say it as lightly. But he, he crossed a pretty big sexual line. Would we agree? He did some per, a perverted thing. He went into his, his father's wife group. And he had relationships with his father, his, his mother-in-law, stepmother. It's not right. It's wrong. That's just, that's sick. You don't do stuff like that. But he did. And for this forbidden, I don't know if you call it incest or what you would call it. You can get the right title on it if you want. For this forbidden moment, there's going to be a great price for him to change. Now we turn to chapter 49. Once again, it seems like it's not mentioned. Boy, he's gotten away with it, you know. Daddy's noticed it. Dad's mad. But it seems like it just sort of blows away until we come to the blessing of the children. In Genesis chapter 49, when Reuben should have received the blessing, I want you to see in verse 3. And Reuben, thou art my firstborn. You're my might. Isn't that the way a daddy feels about his firstborn? Say amen. Yeah. You're the beginning of my strength, the excellency of my dignity, and the excellency of my power. Do you think Israel loved his son? Yes. Look at verse 4. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. And he went up to my couch, and he goes right to the next son. He got what he wanted but he lost what he had. Can I just say this? You and I may think that we do something in a small way, hidden in a corner. Not a whole lot of people know about it. We sell our innocency. We sell our righteousness. We do our wickedness, and we go on, and we think that God is somehow going to wink at it, and down the years going to bless us in our old age. I'm here to tell you, you, you reap what you sow. So what you reap, I got it backwards. You're so what you reap. He got what he wanted. He crossed that line, and for a period of time with Bill Haw, he was happy. But he lost a very big thing. Turn to Joshua chapter 7, please. Joshua chapter 7. Here we find a character that's often preached on because of his silly choice. Joshua 7 verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the cursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the son of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Let's just stop here for a moment. We know the story of Achan, don't we? Here they're going into the first city. They're going to take Jericho. Before they go in, Joshua says, God has said that this city is our first fruits unto him. 
anything in the city, any gold, any silver, any garments, any, any money, any, everything that's to be brought to the Lord, it's his, and bring it into the treasury or whatever, but you are not supposed to touch it. It's forbidden. Anybody that touches it will be accursed. Here they're fighting, the walls fall down, they go in, they take the city, and here, here, here he comes, here comes Achan, and he said, whoa, look at this, a pile of gold. Goes up his pocket, whoa, look at the silver. Boy, oh, my wife would love this, Oh, I don't think I've ever seen anything that's this. This must have cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Ooh, fight, 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 fight. Ooh, he gets home, and he takes, hey, everybody, look what I got. I got look at the silver, look at the gold I got. Oh, Mom, this is for you. Buried in the... Just think it's all buried. And you know, there's a lot of times when we cross lines, and that's exactly, we don't think anybody sees. We stick our hand in a till, we take something that isn't ours, nobody's watching, we get home, we slide it underneath there and put it there. In our first church I was at, there was a man in the church who was a thief. Long story how he got found out. But when we trace back, he was not only stealing stuff at church, he'd been stealing at work. And every night, he would take his, his lunch pail, and he would put some of these very expensive calibrated tools, and he'd take them home, and then he'd sell them quietly. And he was making you know, hundreds of dollars extra spending money and, and doing all kinds of things with it. Thought he got away with it for years and years and years, but when it came back, it came back big on him. See, Aiken... I'm not going to read the story for a length of time, but when it all got caught and it all came back to him, they took all the stuff that Achan had and they burned it. They poured stones on it. They took his children because they were part of it. He took his children. He took his wife and everybody that knew all about it. They were all killed and buried. And he was killed and buried. And they piled rocks on him. It's a big tower, just sort of got market. And it's got a special name so people would never forget that Achan would never be a good name in Israel. Got what he wanted. Easy, fast money. Nobody will know. Hey, stick my hand in, take it. Hey, I was a little richer for it. But he lost what he had. He lost his family. He lost his house. He lost his life. And Christians say, wow, these are pretty big. I don't think I'm going to lose my life. Who says? Some of you are younger here. You're just beginning a life. It starts with easy to see your eyes on somebody else's test and steal the answer. And you get away with it. It's easy to start taking money out of mom's purse hanging on the back of the door and nobody knows about it. And you're putting your hands in your pocket and you're going to school and you're going to the snack shop and you got two bucks, five bucks, three bucks. You got money uh, that you're spending when nobody's seen it and you seem to get away with it. I'm here to tell you, you aren't getting away with it. You're starting down a road that's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until finally it comes back and destroys you. Aiken thought he could do this and get away with it. He got what he wanted. But the, the thing that I've always thought about Aiken, he got everything he wanted, but he never could enjoy it. 
He can never show anybody besides his family. He can never spend it. He can never wear it. Got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. Judges chapter 11, let's turn there for just a moment. This is a little different kind of a character. Judges chapter 11. Look at verse 1. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of an harlot, and, and Gilead begat Jephthah. So we find here that Jephthah uh, always wanted, if, if, if we study the story, Jephthah is an illegitimate child. And what he wants, instead of them pushing him off to the side, what he wants is to be accepted. He wants to have people bow down. He's tired of people always, he's down here. He wants to be the top. It's the pride of life that's going to get to Jephthah. And the Bible says that there comes a period of time where Jephthah is called back as a judge. He's, he's, he's vindicated, and he wants to really have such a vindication that he does something very foolish. Look at verse 20. Judges chapter 11. I'm sorry, look at verse 9. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Israel, If ye bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I not be your head? And the elders of the Gideonites said unto Jephthah, The Lord uh, be witness unto us. So he got what he wanted. He wanted to be the head, but that wasn't enough. Look at verse 30, please. Look at verse 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So he makes a he wants so bad to, to be on top and to be respected that he says, I'll do anything, I'll offer you anything that comes to the doors. And in his foolishness, in verse 34, Jephthah came back home, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dance, and she was his only child. And the Bible says that at that point, Jephthah realized he had made a huge mistake. And in his desire to win, in his desire for vengeance, in his desire, in his desire to be the top of the heap, his pride of life that he had sold himself, it cost him his daughter. It cost him his only daughter. It cost him his entire heritage. There would never be another Jephthah again. He was the end of the line. And yet he got what he wanted, but he lost what he had. Our next character is in just a couple of chapters, Judges chapter 13. We know his name. His name is Samson. In Judges chapter 13, look at verse 5. For lo, thou shalt conceive... And bear a son, and no razor shall come on his hand. For the child of a Nazarite, he shall be a child of a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel. So here he is, this beautiful child, no razor touching his head, the power of God. We know Samson carrying the gates of the city. He's winning battles, killing a thousand people with the jawbone of an ass. He's doing amazing things. But he had one major flaw. Over and over and over again, Jephthah liked women. 
He went down to Timnath, and there was a, a Gentile young lady that he was not supposed to even be looking at or fiddling in a way with, and he said, get her for me. And that caused a lot of problems. That kept going through his whole life till finally he met his match in a person called Delilah. He thought he could go in and remember how he talked to her about this, my powers and this, my powers and that. If, if, if you just weave my hair, and he told her, finally, he said, if you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. And indeed, he got the girls. But he lost his eyesight, and eventually he lost his life. I wonder how the story of Samson would have been written. I wonder how it would have gone down if he hadn't given in to the lust of the flesh over and over and over again. Years ago, when the AIDS epidemic started hitting the United States 25, 30 years ago, there was a story of a man that was a deacon in a church, Sunday school teacher. This man was very active, and he, he needed to get a job, and, and uh, it was a sort of a hard time. And so he took a job driving a truck. And it meant that he was going to be on the road quite a bit and often missing, and he couldn't teach Sunday school anymore, but he took that job. And one day when he was out on the job, he was at one of these sites where trucks sort of rest, and, and they come together, and they're waiting, and, and it's overnight the next morning to deliver first thing, and he's sitting in the back of his cab. They have those birther cabs where they can sleep back there and everything. Knock came to the door of his truck. A young lady that was sort of one of these ladies of the night came and said, would you like some company for the evening? Somebody to come in and make you feel warm. You're a little bit away from home. And in a moment of weakness, this deacon, the Sunday school teacher said, come on in. He spent a night with this lady. It was only just a few hours. He went on his way. He forgot about it. It was months and months later. His wife called him up and said, sweetheart, I have no idea how this happened but I just have come from the doctor. I've not been feeling well, and I've got AIDS, full-blown AIDS. He knew instantly how she got the AIDS. He had been a passive carrier. He had had it too. He had carried it home, had relations with his wife, infected her, and his wife died. Got what he wanted. One night... One night in a little cab. One night with a little knock. One night just, just to let the pleasure come in. And this would be similar to what Samson did. Just wanted that woman for the night. Just want a little pleasure. Just one time. Oh, we go on with the other characters. King David. King David, he's middle age. He's already done a wonderful... King David has had a wonderful life. God has blessed him beyond what you can imagine. And he said, you know, I'm going to take a little, little time off. You guys go to war. I'm going to stay home. And the Bible says he was on top of the palace where in the evening when the winds blow nice and cool off the desert. And he was sitting there. And being higher up like the palace walls were, he looked over the city. And he saw some other people on top of their roofs also taking care of themselves. And he saw a beautiful, beautiful lady. And he said, boy, she sure is beautiful. He said to one of his guards, go get her for me, brought her, and he had relations with her. One night, child was produced. To cover it up, he arranged for the husband to be killed. 
And you know, David, what was the result of this in David's life? The result in David's life was the sword would never depart all of his family for the rest of the line. He brought in such a, a, a disaster. He got what he wanted. He got, he, just for that, just that little pleasure. And you know, it, you know what this sort of speaks to me? I've heard this so much in my life. A man gets to 40, 45 years old, and he gets that 40-year itch. Every, every, every man, every, every person, they get to that, and, and they just got to look around. You know, they've been locked in a marriage. All their money's been going to their kids. And, and, you know, he just needs another fling at 35, 40, 45 years old. David, the result was the baby died. He was called out in public by Nathan the prophet. His children had all kinds of rotten things happen, and the sword would not depart from his house. There was just awful things that kept happening and happening. And you know, the Bible says later on, as these things began to, the fruit of this began to come on, David just cried. He got what he wanted. But he lost what he had. Ahab, wicked old king, saw a vineyard. He said, I, I like that vineyard. You know, I've got all the vineyards, but that is the best vineyard, vineyard I've ever seen in Israel. He went to the, to the man that owned it, and he said, I, I'll pay you for that vineyard. Guy said, I can't sell it. It's been in the family forever. It's not going to go out of our family. King, I love you, but you're not. He said, I want that vineyard. I, I, I want that vineyard. And he went back home and literally said, I'll do anything to get that vineyard. I want that vineyard. And his wife Jezebel said, no, now Ahab, you just lay down, go to sleep, and let mommy take care of it. She arranged for liars to lie about this man. Next thing you know, he's brought up on public charges, and he's executed, and they go, and they take the vineyard. And now, Ahab, you got your vineyard. In the very next verse in the Bible, the Bible says, the same blood that was uh, that where they took Naboth, uh, where they took him and they killed him. You're going to be having that same place, and the dogs will lick up your blood and lick up her blood just the same way. You aren't going to get away with it. You got what you wanted, but you won't be able to keep it. You lost what you had. But you know, isn't that just like us? God has blessed us, but we're not content. We got a car, we want a bigger car. We got a house, we want a bigger house. We got money, we want more money. That's what Ahab was doing. He wasn't content. And because of that, he got off the road. And instead of making a righteous decision, he made an unrighteous decision. And he and his wife locked it. He knew exactly what she was doing. And he rubber-stamped it all the way down so he could get his little vineyard. Boy, you look at it in the big picture. What an expensive vineyard. Could I say to you, what an expensive sin you and I do. We make choices, and we think we've covered it, and we think we've gotten away with it, and it's all buried, it's stamped and approved, and we're sitting in our vineyard, and God says, not so easy, my friend. Not so easy. Judas thought he could sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And you know what? I, uh, you could have your own opinion, and maybe you're right. But I think Judas thought, wait till they try to take Jesus. <laughs> You know, I'm going to get 30 pieces of silver. I'm going to use Jesus. And he sold Jesus down the river. Got what he wanted. And, you know, after he got it, he tried to return it. You ever tried to undo a sin? 
He tried to go back and say, here, t- take your money back. This, this is not, I, 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 give Jesus back. I don't want this money. I'm sorry I ever did it. They said, keep it to yourself. It's dirty money. What do you mean? You gave it to me. No, it's dirty money. He threw it and they gathered it up. And they, do you know what they did with his 30 pieces of silver? They bought a field called a seldom, which means blood. It's a potter's field where you bury people that don't have the money for, for to find a place to be buried. They bought a cemetery, and he went out in that very same place, and he hung himself, and he hung there till his body bloated and exploded and fell down on the rocks there. He was buried in that field with that 30 pieces of silver purchased. Got what he wanted. The Bible is just full of all these stories, and I'm just touching, just touching through them. Ananias and Sapphira in the early church. They sold a piece of property, and it was a good thing they were doing. But you know, the pride of life came along. Put the pride of life in there with that they wanted, they wanted some of that money. That's the lust of the flesh. And the lust of the eye says you can have both. And so they, when they sold that piece of property, they got more money. They lied about it. They went into Peter, and they gave him that partial money and said, here, this is all the money we got for the field. And God said to the husband, uh, Peter said to the husband, you're a liar. Bam! He was dead. His wife came in just a few minutes later. She didn't know that he was dead. And he said, is, did you sell the property? How much money did you He lied just like the husband. Bam! She's gone. The Bible says they picked her up buried her, and the fear of God came upon that church. They got what they wanted. Everybody thought they were Mr. Big Guy, and they thought they could pocket some money, and they thought they could play the end against the middle. You know what I mean? They got what they wanted, but lost what they had. It's quite a sobering message, isn't it? It's a lot for us to think about. Dr. Bob Sr. would say it this way, you can never offer the permanent on the altar of the immediate and get away with it. You can't offer the permanent, righteous, glorious blessing of fellowship and innocent with God and get away with it. There is a secular story called Faust. Faust was a simple man. He was a businessman. He wasn't very, he wasn't prospering very well. He was frustrated. And in this secular play, the devil comes up to Faust. He says, you know what? I could make you a rich man. All you have to do, and he whips out this little thing, is you've got to sell me your soul. That's all you have to do. I'm not going to collect on it for 20, 30 years. Just sign here. And so, out he goes. signs. Within just weeks, all of a sudden, prosperity is coming his way. He gets elected. He's a leader in his big city. And everything's, I mean, everything's going his way. Satan has power, let me tell you what. But at the appointed time, years later, he was at home and he was celebrating his wealth and his position and all that he, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of light had gained him. And Faust comes to him and he says, I'm here to collect. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, that may be a secular rendition, but the principle is true. You can't. make wrong choices 
over and over and over again, bury them and think they're not going to have consequences. And most likely when God puts a message like this on my mind to bring to a strong to us this morning, maybe you're here, maybe you've got something buried. Let me tell you what, why don't you dig it up before God has to dig it up? So how do I dig it up? You repent and you deal with it. If you're in the midst of a transaction of life, you're making decisions. Maybe you're two people. You know, a lot of people are two people. Maybe it's time you just turn back into the godly man or woman you should be. Get things right with God. Got what they wanted. Lost everything. How many of those characters do we say they died? Their wife died, their children died, and they lost all the possessions, and everything that they were selling themselves to get was gone. God been dealing with your heart this morning? God doesn't make exceptions because you fill in the blank. I'm a preacher, I'm a deacon, I'm a Sunday school teacher. You know, I, I just can, I can do something, get away with it. I, I, can, I can fly over the flames and they aren't going to touch me. How foolish you are. Not what they wanted. They lost that very precious thing they had. That walk with Jesus, that blessing of God, that eternal blessing that God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. They lost the blessings of that of the firstborn. They lost the blessings of, of their family and their wife and their children. They, they lost it. If we could see past our choices to the consequences, I think many times we wouldn't make the choice. Where are you in your heart this morning? Let's bow our heads, please. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would deal with each of our hearts. You know what's the path of each person here. You know how they're walking, how they're living, how they're conducting their life. And I pray, Father, that they would realize that there's no exceptions and that you want them to live righteously and you want to bless them, their home, their families, that you've been good to them. Be content with what you brought their way. To not let Satan lure them through their lust of flesh, eyes, and pride. Oh, Lord, may the conviction, may the reality be strong in our hearts. In Jesus' name.